Welcome to Promo Insiders, a podcast from ASI's Counselor Magazine. In this weekly series, we tackle the topics that matter most to the promotional products industry, from hard-hitting news to fun trends. I'm Sarah Lavendusky with Advantages Magazine, and today I'm joined by Larry Whitney, Managing Partner of Whitney & Whitney Consulting Group and an expert in product safety and compliance. With a huge number of promo firms now selling personal protective equipment, or PPE, what should they know about product safety and compliance, especially when it comes to selling masks and face coverings? That's our topic. So thanks, Larry, for joining us today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be with you, Sarah. So with nearly everyone in promo, it seems, getting into PPE in the past couple months, it's really important that suppliers and distributors are aware of those product safety concerns, particularly with masks, since they come in contact with the mouth and nose, obviously very important parts of the body. And they're also coming in contact with the face that's often not used to having a covering on it for an extended period of time. Now, there are a lot of different masks being sold in the industry right now, a lot of different types, but for our discussion today, we'll be focusing on the reusable fabric masks that um, are being used uh, on a daily basis by the, the, the public, the general public, as opposed to you know medical grade ones that have a little more to them. But uh, for our discussion today, I wanted to talk about the due diligence that distributors and suppliers should be conducting with the companies that they're working with when they're sourcing masks for their clients. Well, I think the one thing people don't think about when they're doing these masks, it's new for our industry, is that they are apparel. You're wearing them. So companies should think of them in terms of the apparel requirements. Uh, Companies that sell apparel make sure that the dyes, chemicals, the fabrics they're using are good for the skin. So if you're wearing a face mask, you need to make sure this, do the same thing. Is the is, is the fabric something that can be near the skin? Uh, you need to remember your face is much more sensitive than, say, your legs or your the rest of your body. So people are more, um, I guess, rashes and things are more likely to do. And react in reaction to dyes. So are the dyes good for skin contact? Um, fabrics smooth, not you know, not rough. And then lastly, are the masks being made to the CDC guidelines um, so that they do protect so that people can't transmit the coronavirus? Great. Now, one of the things that distributors uh, had asked, um, you know, when we had started this this conversation about product safety, one of the things they uh, were asking about is, you know, as a distributor sourcing directly, you know, in the interest of time, these clients really need these masks quickly and they need pretty big quantities a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So what should distributors in particular be aware of if they're sourcing directly from overseas? Well, they sh- the distributors who are going direct overseas need to make sure the factory is following their specifications. Uh, they need to look at, because these are going to be worn against the mouth or to prevent transmission of uh, illness, are the factories using good manufacturing practices? Are their quality controls sufficient to keep the surfaces that are coming in contact with the person clean? Um, with promotional products, you, it's unlikely when somebody's handed one of these masks, they're going to go home and wash it right before they put it on their face. So you want to make sure the factory is using clean processes and that their workers aren't contaminating the masks before it gets out. 
Uh, many factories have internal processes for good manufacturing processes. You'd like to look for an audit for good manufacturing practices. Uh, it's hard to get an audit conducted right now, but if a factory has one from prior to the pandemic, uh, recently, you know, late last year, that's probably an indication they have the right quality control practices. Now, you had mentioned before the importance of the indemnification clauses between distributors and their suppliers or factories if they're sourcing directly. What should they look for when they, you know, take another look at that when they're sourcing these products? What should they look for in that indemnification clause? Well, I mean, I'll be honest, indemnification is sort of a risky way to look at things. Mm -hmm. Just because a distributor has an indemnification from the factory or their supplier, if something goes wrong, the end user doesn't care who the factory or the supplier is. Their relationship is with the distributor. And you can lose your relationship. It's not good. So indemnification is nice, but distributors have to do their due diligence and make sure that the factory is doing things correctly or the supplier is doing things correctly because, I mean, honestly, who's going to sue a factory in China because something went wrong? Um, it's kind of touchy how you go about doing that. So you really need to do your due diligence and not rely on those indemnifications. Mm -hmm. And one of the other questions we had from distributors was, you know, is providing a single copy of the test report and mask use instructions to the end buyer enough? So if you have one copy of the test report, one copy of instructions for use, you put that in your box of, you know, 500 masks, is that enough? Or should you be making 500 copies for every single recipient? Well, it's the recipient who needs to know how to use the mask. The end users bought them, they get one copy, great, they understand. But they're handing them out to employees, customers, public, whatever. And those individuals really need to understand how to put the mask on. Is it washable? Is you know Understand that it's not an N95 or medical mask. Uh, it's a general purpose mask. So those, those instructions need to be conveyed to the recipients of the masks themselves. Uh, it's not, I don't think it's enough to just put one copy in a box and expect that the end user customer is going to pass them on. Okay, fair enough. And then what do end buyers along those same lines, what do they need to know about these masks? Like what does the disclaimer on the paperwork, maybe the purchase order with these masks, what should it say? Well, I, th I think whomever is selling it, supplier, distributor, factory, needs to be clear that these cloth masks are not a substitute for medical masks. Now, the CDC has been very clear that there's, we're supposed to be reserving the N95 and the surgical masks for the medical profession because they have a shortage. And that cloth masks for us, the general public, are sufficient. Um, but a lot of these cloth masks look like surgical masks and others. So you need to be, I think you need to be upfront and clear on your acknowledgements. that These are general purpose masks. We're not claiming that they're providing you the level of uh, protection or filtration that a medical mask would have. Great. Now you had brought up with, um, with me too, before we had this conversation, you were talking about um, 
masks that were made by a stock company that's not in the promo industry, but they were given away for free in Tennessee. And they were actually recalled because of an antimicrobial pesticide in the fabric that, you know, obviously it would be good for socks, but not something for your mouth and nose. So can you tell us about that and why sure. it's a for this industry? Sure. So, I mean, this, a lot of companies have gotten into making masks a little outside their wheelhouse because mm-hmm. there's such a huge demand. And a company that manufactures socks, and I actually own some of their socks, good product, um, treats their socks with an antimicrobial for odor control. And I think a lot of us have socks like that when we go running and things to uh, cut down on the stinky socks syndrome. However, (laughs) they took that same fabric and started converting it into masks and assuming that it was an antimicrobial. Uh, The reason there was a recall was that someone in the press or someone did some due diligence and looked up the antimicrobial that was used and saw that the manufacturer of the chemical specifically says that you need to wash your hands if they come in contact with your mouth or nose. It really shouldn't be around the mouth. So a mask covered with this, covering the mouth and nose, isn't a good idea. Um, So you need to think about are you using an antimicrobial? Is it suitable for contact with the mouth and nose? And two, is it, um, you know, as a best practice, you might want to make multiple layers and have that away from the direct contact, um, just as a due diligence and safety mm-hmm. for people. Yeah, we've been hearing about companies that have pivoted quickly I mean, you know, trying to survive in this crisis, but they've been right. they've been pivoting quickly and trying to make masks with stuff they have around or, mm-hmm. you know, items that they, you know, are close at hand and, and they know how to work with the types of fabric, but it doesn't necessarily mean that those products are good for, you know, uh, sure. items. Yeah, my so. wife my wife made some masks for us out of quilting fabric she had. Uh, <laughs> you use what you have and it, right. I mean, obviously, we all need to get used to carrying masks, so... It makes a lot of sense. It's just you need to do your due diligence. Sure, sure. And and also masks need to be labeled, um, you know, by yes. law as textiles, they should be labeled, they're pieces of apparel. So one of the questions that distributors had also had was the kind of labeling they should look for from the masks that they're they're sourcing. And does it matter if they're called masks or coverings when it comes to the label? I don't think that really matters when it comes to the label. Uh, the mask, I mean, all if they're being imported, everything imported in the U.S. needs a country of origin marking. Um, textiles need to have the fabric content, care instructions, if it's washable, how to wash it. Uh, you need to have the name of the importer or a an RN number that you can get from the Federal Trade Commission. Um I mean, I don't think anybody wants to have this big label hanging out the side of their mask like you see in your jeans or T-shirts, but you could make it a tear-off label so that it could be removed once the recipient gets it. Sure, sure. Um, Excellent. And then finally, if a company is really concerned about liability, who should they talk to? And honestly, like we've said, I know a lot of companies have gotten into this in survival mode and trying to stay afloat and... And there's demand for it, so there, there's a market there. But at the same time, if they're really concerned about liability, it might maybe they need to decide if it's a category they want to get into at all. You know, I, I don't know. 
But, you know, if they're really concerned about their liability, who should they be speaking with? Well, you really, they really need to talk to their lawyer. They either have a general counsel or some lawyer on, you know, that they consult with. I think a good resource might be their insurance company. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone has an insurance company that gives them the general liability coverage. This is an ideal area for you to lean on your insurance company and ask them what do they recommend. Uh, so you can get a comfort level for whether this is something you want to do long-term or not. Okay, great. Well said. Thank you, Larry, for your time today. And please stay with our editorial team as we continue with our extensive coronavirus coverage, which you'll find all in one place at asicentral.com slash coronavirus. Thanks for listening.